disciples. All three of those things are designed as we focus upon them to help us connect with God. And because of what DJ did uh, last week, over the next several weeks, I would like to focus in upon uh, one of those important phrases, sincere worship. It's very interesting, uh, just this past week, some of you may be familiar with uh, the Pew Research Center. It is uh, an organization which regularly polls citizens of the United States on a variety of subjects and then will uh, post on their website as well as a little, uh, a little newsletter that uh, they also uh, make available about, about a variety of subjects. And on August the 1st, just this past week, uh, they re released their most recent study about Americans and religious attendance, religious service attendance. And what they discovered in uh, this research, the most important reason that Americans go to some type of religious service is to get closer to God. Uh, I think across the board, uh, regardless of what your faith uh, uh, might be, preference might be, regardless of your age, regardless of, of what your demographic is, the primary reason that people would attend a religious service is to, to connect with God, which, again, is the first prong of our vision statement. However, they also discovered that 20% of those who do attend a religious service fail to feel God's presence. And so the point is, just because you're attending a worship assembly of some kind, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are connecting with God. And I think this research just illustrates for us how important it is when we come together that we worship God sincerely. And so again, over the next several weeks, we're going to continue uh, to develop this subject uh, just a little bit. Now, before we jump in to this morning's lesson, let me define worship, at least how I will be using worship over the next several uh, Sundays in this a sermon a series. And I think it's, it's important for us to, to define worship because it's very broad, okay? It's, it's a very broad subject. And again, we'll, we'll get into this more and more as uh, the weeks uh, proceed. And quite honestly, we, we have different worship kind of services. We come together for a variety of reasons, but uh, depending on the type of gathering, we may or may not do some things that we might typically do at least on uh, a Sunday morning. So here is the working definition for this summer, summer, uh, sermon series. I guess it is the summer, so a summer, summer sermon series. Say that real fast on a dry mouth. Worship, as I am defining it, would be those times in which the church is called together or assembled 
to encounter God, experience God, express our love and devotion to God, and be encouraged to serve God. And so with that definition, I am speaking primarily, I think in the same primary context that DJ spoke last week, and that is when we come together on Sunday morning. And so what we're talking about over the next several weeks primarily is about what we do from 10 to 11.15 or maybe 11.30 if the preacher's long-winded. All right, so we're, we're talking about when we come uh, together. And so I will be using worship and assembly interchangeably. All right, so here's how we're going to begin. I think some of those words have already been up. We talk a lot about, uh, in cell phone coverage, being a part of a 4G network. And I'm not sure what all that means. I think it means fourth generation as cell coverage has developed. But as we begin to talk about sincere worship this morning, I want to suggest that we need to be a 4G church. And so I want to suggest four words that start with the letter G, again, that might help us to participate when we come uh, together every Sunday morning between the hour of 10 and 11 to participate in sincere worship, all right? The first word, gather, all right? In order to worship, we have to gather. We have to be together. We have to assemble. And what I find interesting about this particular word is the New Testament has four words. The, the New Testament writers don't just use one word to emphasize this, but use four words to emphasize the fact that as God's people, as disciples of Jesus, for those of us who wear the name of Christ, Christian, that we come together. The first word is a word that we typically translate as church. And you, you probably know that Greek word is ekklesia. And you've probably been told the etymology of that word suggests a very literal definition of called out. We are called out of this world. But practically speaking, the word ekklesia means called together. Right? And so it refers to an assembly, a congregation. In fact, if you go to Acts chapter 19, Paul is in the ancient city of Ephesus. He has been teaching and preaching the good news of Jesus. That has upset a number of uh, pagan religious leaders because it is affecting their cell of, of idols dedicated to the goddess Artemis. And so the city is in an uproar. And three times in Acts chapter 19, Paul uses the word ecclesia, again, the, the common word for, for church, to describe the assembly that gathers in the Ephesian theater to bring these accusations against Paul and the other Christians. And so ecclesia would be a very common word in, in that culture, and it describes an assembly, right? In 1 Corinthians 14, in 
uh, a context that I believe begins in chapter 11 and verse 2 of 1 Corinthians and continues through chapter 14. It's all about church. It's all about a worship service. And Paul is addressing abuses uh, in the Corinthian church. Things that were occurring when they came together. But three times in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul uses the word ecclesia, and, and I think he, he narrows it to, to speak of the assembly. So when we talk about the church of Christ, we could also say the assembly of Christ, the congregation of Christ. But when we're talking about um, what happens again in worship between 10 and 11 in our context, when we speak of church, we're talking about being called together as an assembly. Right? So there's the first word. The second word is uh, the verb form of the word synagogue. Right? And we know what a synagogue uh, was in first century culture. Kind of a community meeting house, if you will, for uh, Jews. But the verb form simply means together. To come together. And that's the word we find in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Uh, when Paul uh, delays his departure from Troas uh, a week so he can come together with the Christians of that community. The third word is uh, a compound form of the word synagogue. Uh, the word that Luke uses in Acts 20 verse 7. And it is uh, used in, in what has been, at least in, in my being raised in churches of Christ, kind of our proof text for not missing church. And that's Hebrews 10, 25. Don't forsake the assembling together. And again, the, the emphasis of that word is coming together, being called together as the body of Christ. The final word is the word Paul uses uh, more frequently or more regularly in that 1 Corinthians 11 through 14 uh, context where he is addressing abuses in the Corinthian assembly. It's, uh, again, an, another compound word which literally means to come together. I think he uses it six or seven times uh, in those three or four chapters. And it becomes a technical term that Paul seems to use when he addresses the abuses in the, in the Corinthian assembly, when he says, is, when you come together to worship, would be a good definition. Right? But here's the point. As God's people, we are called together. And we are particularly called together on the first day of the week as the body of Christ to worship. Uh, Dr. John Harrison is a New Testament professor at Oklahoma Christian University. And when I was working with the uh, Westwood congregation in Edmond, uh, John uh, was our education uh, minister uh, for three or four years and really got to know John well. And he remains a very dear brother and a good friend and, and is a good encourager. Dr. Harrison always made the argument that Christians, the, the imperative was to come together. The, the command was together. And anytime Christians gather, worship breaks out. Right? 
That's kind of a good way to think about it. All right? Thus, the first G is gather. Well, what's the second G? What do we do when we gather? Well, we assemble together to glorify God as our Father, to praise Jesus as His Son and our Savior, and to exalt the Holy Spirit who lives within us, whom God gives to those who have been baptized into the name of Jesus and who seek to walk by His Spirit. And so to glorify simply means to praise. It means to exalt. And when we, when we come together, we, we praise His name and we exalt His name and we exalt the Holy Trinity in a number of ways. We sing, we pray, we assemble around the Lord's table. There is the public reading of God's Word. Uh, someone shares a message from God's Word with us. All of those acts of worship, as we call them, are designed to glorify God, to glorify His Son, and to glorify the Spirit. I really appreciated uh, the songs, the, the hymns that Kyle uh, has been leading for us this morning, emphasizing those kinds of themes. Let's turn real, real quickly uh, to Revelation chapter 4. I can do that because it, it was marked in my Bible for some reason. Of course, Revelation chapters 2 and 3 uh, Jesus, through the Apostle John, has been addressing seven churches in Asia Minor. And uh, we come to chapter 4, and the scene shifts a little bit. No, no longer is Jesus, through John, speaking to seven churches on earth. The scene moves to heaven, to the very throne room of God. And so we are given this this conception of heaven, which in reality, I believe, becomes a call to worship. And whatever else you want to say about the book of Revelation, it is a book of worship. John evidently was in a mode of worship on a Sunday uh, when Jesus revealed himself to him and gave him this uh, awe-inspiring message that we have in the book of Revelation. But it begins with John in worship, it ends with John in worship, and you could argue everything in between is all about worship, but especially chapter 4. Um, he says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Verse 11, again, speaking God, enthroned in heaven, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will things were created and have their being. But worship, worship doesn't end with chapter 4. We move into chapter 5, and now Jesus uh, is pictured as the slain lamb. And now worship is focused uh, upon him. Look at verse 12. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Uh, chapter 5 ends with, To Him who sits on the throne, that's God, and to the Lamb, that's Jesus, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. So we gather to glorify God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
Number three. The third word is grow. A byproduct of glorifying God should be growth. I've heard it put this way in the past. If you attend a worship assembly and you do not leave changed, then you probably haven't worshipped. Now think about that. The word change there suggests growth. Right? And so we come into the presence of God, we glorify Him, we reflect upon Jesus, we remind ourselves of His Spirit who lives within us, and if in that encounter or that worship experience we haven't been affected, then maybe we need to pinch ourselves. Have, have we slept through the whole experience? Have we slept through the whole assembly? Right. So there is this idea also of growth. Again, I point us to 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, that, that chapter is a very challenging chapter because Paul is addressing uh, some things that don't occur in our assemblies today. But there are certainly principles within that chapter that would apply to us, and the principle of growth is very clear. All right? If you go to that chapter and just quickly skim it, depending on your translation, over and over again, you're going to read words like edify, encourage, build up. Paul uses two or three different Greek words to emphasize growth. And we'll get into this a little more as this sermon series uh, continues. And, and even DJ mentioned this last week. You know, there is, there is this continuum of worship in, in which uh, there is this vertical aspect. That's the glorify part. And then this, this horizontal aspect in which we are to encourage each other and build each other up. All right? So there's the growth. And so again, when we come that primary purse, uh, purpose of glorifying God, a byproduct should be we leave this place changed, better, encouraged. We've grown through worshiping God together. And then finally, the word go. Some of you may be familiar with the name Robert Weber. Uh, Weber, uh, I would suggest, has been the leading voice uh, among evangelicals the last probably 30 years on the subject of worship, has written a number of books. He says this in his book, Worship is a Verb, Celebrating God's Mighty Deeds of Salvation. Every service is followed by a comma instead of a period. What's Weber saying in that statement. Right? Worship is not the end all. all right? In fact, worship, if we have grown, is designed now to send us forth to go. All right? And again, we'll see this even more in a week or so when we look at this incredible worship experience that... Um, the prophet Isaiah had in Isaiah chapter 6. And so maybe a better word than go is sent. But sent doesn't begin with the letter G, so I couldn't use it. All right? G. 
doesn't, doesn't begin with the letter G. We leave this place as sent people. All right? Hence the comma. And, and I've, even, I've, I've even suggested before, if, if you go to Acts chapter 2, that very familiar passage of verses 42 through 47. In 42, you know, Luke uh, describes uh, what was occurring after the day of Pentecost when you know, the church grows from 120 to over 3,000. 3,000 men were baptized, and, and who knows really how large the initial church was there in Jerusalem. But it said they, they gave attention, right? They focused upon the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, um, the fellowship, and the prayers, plural, right? And I've suggested in the past that that's kind of the church on Sunday, okay, if, if you will. Uh, make a pretty good case that the four things Luke describes in verses 42 and 43 you know, are related to those acts of worship, things that we do together when we come together uh, to glorify God. Right? But then the rest of that passage talks about how they shared their faith and they shared their lives with one another daily. Right? And so worship, what we do together on Sunday morning, is not designed to just stop as if we're punching in and punching out. In fact, I would say that when we've been baptized into Jesus, we've punched in and we don't punch out until he comes again. And, and so we have, we have this assembly, again, that is designed when we gather right, to glorify God, to help us grow, and then to send us out and go. And here's, here's the deal, church. We, we go somewhere every day, right? I mean, typically, we go to work, we go to school, we go to play, we go to the store, we go. And we'll talk more about this at some point when we discuss another important part of connecting with God, making disciples. You know, the Great Commission says go. We do that. We've fallen short in the making of disciples, right? But that's... That's another series, but we'll get there, all right? So the, the four G's of worship, all right? We gather, we glorify, we grow, and then we go. Right? Now, let me suggest four things to, to, to help us again as we, we, we continue this idea of sincere worship and connecting with God Four things as we conclude. Number one, worship is not just something you go to as it is something you do. All right? Anybody remember AVB, acapella vocal band? Yeah, some, some of us do. Big deal 25 years ago in the Lamar Avenue youth group. All right? And they had, they had a song titled, You Can't Go to Church Because the Church Is You. Anybody remember that song? Uh, speaking of Luke, Luke could sing that thing just right and left. He knew every song on there. Izod Reebok, Guess in L.A. Gear, that was another song, you know. And, and I, I get the point, all right? That, but again, if you define ecclesia as assembly, the assembly is something you go to. And it's something you participate in. That was one of DJ's primary points last week, encouraging us 
all of us, regardless of what we sound like, to sing. So glad, I mean, there's a reason I sit down here by myself, you know, during, during singing, okay? But we can participate in other ways. Opening up your Bible as the words being read, uh, reflecting uh, in, in your mind when the emblems of, the com of communion are, are being passed, uh, praying with the prayer leader. So many ways to participate other than just singing, all right? And so the church is who we are, but yes, the church is also something we go to. And when we go, we're to participate. And it's only through participation that I think growth occurs. Secondly, we must recognize meaningful worship assemblies as a key to church health and church growth. All right? We just finished a short series on the second prong, the unity of believers. And in those lessons, we especially emphasized unity right here among us. In one of the greatest displays of unity among us is when we come together on Sunday. Right? And so again, the importance of sincere worship and the importance of participa uh, participation and, and the importance of putting our best foot forward every time we come together. Right? Statistically, statistically, the Sunday morning assembly is still the primary means that a person or a family is initially introduced to a church. All right? And you know the old adage, you only have one chance to make a good first impression. Kind of like a restaurant. You know, you go to a new restaurant and you have a bad experience, you're probably not going back. All right? And our assembly is, is like that. Okay, and so the importance, I'm so thankful we had DJ in. I'm so thankful this church has a worship planning team. And that team is meeting this afternoon, by the way. Right? And so sincere worship and connecting with God is a priority for this church. Number three, what are we on here? Attend. Be here. <laughs> okay? Be here. And again, it shows how unified we are when we come together. I mean, unless you're out of town and physically just can't be here. The singing's good. The preaching is great. All right? Thank you. From a former preacher. We, we stick together. All right? Just make it a point to be here. All right? And, and really, nothing, nothing encourages your ministry staff your elders, your shepherds, than being here on Sunday morning. Life is busy. I get it, okay? And, and our families, uh, society just pulls us in all kinds of directions, right? But let's be sure, if we can't be here any other time, be here on Sunday morning. And remember those four Gs, you know, to glorify, to grow, and then to go after we have, have gathered. And then number four, and we'll continue to work on these uh, as this progresses. But we improve worship by improving worshipers. Right? We improve worship by improving worshipers. And so how, how can we do that? Well, maybe get up on Sunday morning 15 minutes early and already be in the Word a little bit. 
try to try to be here on time okay when when you're traveling here as a family don't be fussing at each other you know you're already in a bad mood when you walk in the door and then you put on that you know the fake smile kind of thing And, and so just consciously think of ways that you can improve yourself before you ever arrive here on Sunday morning. We improve worship by improving worshipers. One more quote from Robert Weber. Here's what he says. The primary work of the church is worship. Evangelism and other functions of ministry flow from the worship of the church. I've discovered in my own life that that corporate worship is the taproot of my life. It is the source of my spiritual life and growth. Amen. I believe Weber gets it. I believe he gets it. And and, and I hope as we we continue through this sermon series that connecting with with God will be a priority for us because I'm convinced... It's it's through that connecting with God that unity can occur and the restoration of all things can occur. I mean, everything we do as God's people will flow out of gathering, of glorifying His name, of growing together, and then going, understanding we have been sent out on a mission. Kyle's going to lead us in one more song. If you haven't been immersed into Jesus' name, we can do that this morning. If you need some encouragement, you have a prayer request, please come forward while we stand and sing. Kyle.